You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hey, welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge, and you, it's got to come from the heart. Let me, oh, get, a, let me get another <laughs> look at you. Welcome to the show, guys. With me, Ken, is Jeff and Neil. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I spilled are some we water. About rolling? <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. We are rolling. Uh, I did spill some water about five minutes ago all over the table, so a little out of it, but uh, I might stand up for the most of the most part of this yep well you already know what's yeah, going on here yeah, i can't even is, speak this is back to back with the uh vivek game and uh still in the studio our special guest today emily baker did how you, you doing just break <laughs> studio magic yeah, i did break studio magic <laughs> wow it turns out uh what's his name from star is born is not actually in the studio either jackson maine jackson maine thanks how you doing emily <laughs> i'm great how about you guys <laughs> We just hit her hard with this intro. This we has did. been a wild time. But uh, Emily is a cruiserweight champion, so we thank her for her continued support on Patreon, as we do all of our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. But uh, especially me. Today, as in the same day uh, as the last episode, uh, Emily has actually prepared the game for us, and we're going to be uh, doing a free-for-all, right? Three-for-all? Three-for-all, yeah. It uh, looks like uh, Emily has some great stickers on her laptop, by the way. I'm just admiring she has the... Uh, you are the cream of the crop Patreon sticker. She has a Triviality exclusive sticker. And then she has some other favorites of mine, the uh, Notorious RBG. The only way you get that sticker is by visiting us in studio. That's so. true. Uh, and then Batman, um, what would you call that? He's doing the airplane? Sup- yeah, Superman is airplaning Batman because Batman can't fly. So he's just trying to give him the experience. Oh, that's sweet. The sticker's really kind of nice. fun and flirty, wouldn't you say? It's a little fun and flirty. I think it, that's true. It is fun and flirty. Ken's kind of fun and flirty. Yeah, thanks. That's what Emily called him before we, we started. <laughs> Fun and flirty. Is that out of pity? <laughs> yeah. Definitely out of pity. <laughs> Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I'm a grad student at Dominican University getting my MBA. Um, I'm a secretary in the cardiology department of Loyola Medicine, and I also coach the speech team over at Lyons Township High School. So I like, I like to speak in high school. Public speaking is fun for me. And she's a smart cookie, and she also baked us some cookies and brought them to the studio. I did. I'm trying to live up to my last name. Yeah. Oh, that's. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I had two snickerdoodles. She specially baked me some vegan snickerdoodles. Are you taking all of them home after this? Uh, I'll take a few. Okay, I had two, but if I need to, I'll eat the rest of them. Yeah, I okay. think you need your fuel. Meal. I do need some fuel. That's that's for sure. I call these cookies meal fuel. So. Meal fuel. Good. And I do want to put a uh, disclaimer. Uh, I'm not liable for anything that I say the rest of this game because it's probably going to be street trash. So, <laughs> <laughs> just which is also a very An on fire garbage can. And if anyone has seen the movie Street Trash, it's a very cult uh, movie. It is terrible, but it's awesome. So look it up. Speaking of which, uh, Matt is actually living in a garbage can with Oscar the Grouch right now, right? Uh, he oh, that's is. So nice. He is. He's living in the in the trash can. Matt was looking for a new barista, and uh, Oscar the Grouch uh, wanted to deliver the grouchness that the customers at Starbucks give the baristas back to them. So there you go. Now they're going to ask for a, a nice grande, no whip mocha, and he's going to say, "Just get a mocha." I saw a nice article uh, stating that the first Sesame Street uh, character would experience homelessness. Oscar the Grouch has been living in a garbage can for forty years. <laughs> what are you talking about? Is he homeless though, or is it is I that mean, is that a good garbage enough? can is his home? He loves trash. That's yeah. true. He sings a whole song about it. He used to be also be orange. 
in the first season of uh, Sesame Street. Disturbing. Yeah, that's a that's like a famous trivia question that yeah, we've seen around, so. right? He yeah. used to be orange. That's a cursed image that's yeah. in my head right now. An orange Oscar the Grouch. He's sort of oh. like gritty. I was gonna say he, I'm he's OG gritty. gritty Maybe now. Oscar the Grouch. Here, here's 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 what I propose. Gritty is what happens if Oscar the Grouch isn't left on the street and it just gives it is given a chance. Oh, and he mm. succeeds and he becomes famous. So that's that's your Gritty's two life a paths. Maniac though. Well, do you want to be a maniac but <laughs> successful, or or you know Oscar the Grouch, angry and in a garbage can? Well, I've only got one option right now, so I'm gonna go with the the latter. The hot okay. take is that Gritty has just cleaned up Oscar. Case yeah. closed. Hot take. All right, well, since we're doing a three-for-all today, let's go ahead and toss it to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds, worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Thank you, Darren. And uh, without further ado and uh, further uh, hijinks, let's go ahead and get to the game. All right, guys. So um, your question number one is a thing that I think is very important. It's very important to me. Um, it is Pride Month when we are recording this. Um, so a travel writer, um, an LGBTQ activist, Meg Kale, said that um, Pride is way more than a parade. In fact, many LGBTQ people think that the parade is an afterthought. Pride started because we needed means to break free of our people being criminalized, pathologized, and persecuted. And while we've made gains over the years, we still have work to do. That being very well said, give me the year that Pride started with Stonewall or the year that the first uh, official Pride parade was recognized commemorating the year uh, anniversary of Stonewall. All right, I'm going to lock in. So you can give me two different answers. I have to do math in my head, and I'm not good at it for some reason right now. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I have an idea. I'm going to lock in. Um, I feel like last year was the 40th anniversary of Stonewall, um, but I might be a year or two off. So I'm going to go 1978. I also said 1978. I thought for some reason Stonewall had its 50th anniversary, so I went 69. Neil, the only one getting credit on this, uh, this year is actually the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. So that was in 1969, and so the first official Pride was in 1970. Decade off. Yeah. All right, guys, question two. Um, an instrumental version of the French national anthem, La Marseillaise, serves as the intro to what Beatles song? Mm, the Beatles, my oh. favorite. Yeah, that's right. You do love the Beatles. <laughs> I don't <clears throat> hate the Beatles, guys. But they're come not on, Ken. Why don't you like? Why should I be Ken? Come my, on, man. It's not my favorite, Ringo. You don't. Come on, man. You're just not my favorite. I'm sorry. Come play a drum beat. You are my me, favorite man. Beatle, though. You're an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the song about an octopus. <laughs> Yoko, come here. The French press is empty. We got all the Beatles here except for Paul, I guess. Oh, I feel like I I know this. I was just listening to a great. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A uh, expose, I guess is the wrong word, but uh, on NPR about um, Hard Day's Night and how that chord for years people have been trying to figure out how to play that opening chord. Mm-hmm. And there's been like a certain like it, there's so many different theories of what it actually is. And then they did the splits for the remastered version. And um, anyway, it's very interesting. So if you look up history on Hard Day's Night opening chord, it's very interesting. Is there so, a weird chord that opens that song? Well, it's like a that's exactly mm. what it sounds like. Wow. Okay. Anyway, it's interesting. Right, I'm it locked in. Yeah, I put in a guess. I'm not too sure. Uh, the one that has a sort of a symphonic opening to me uh, off the top of my head, um, because I'm a little cloudy, is All You Need Is Love. So that's what I locked in with. Strange. I, too, put All You Need Is Love. And I just remember that uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band wastes all kind of t- kinds of time on that record <laughs> with silly noises. So I put Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the song. Sorry, Ken. Both of your uh, competitors are getting points. It is all you need is love. Oh, that's those snickerdoodles are fueling this fire. <laughs> uh, Truly, some more the snickerdoodles fuel. on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Question three. What is the closest living relative to the giraffe? It's native to the northeast of the Democratic Republic of Congo and is sometimes called the forest giraffe. Wow. I'm locked in. I have in. another name for it, if that would help you. I'm locked in. That would help me. The zebra giraffe. <laughs> oh. I am locked the f*** in, guys. The zebra giraffe. 
Jeff calls it a zebra for some reason. The zebra giraffe. Because it's correct. Pompous. <laughs> I uh, have one of them at the Lincoln Park Zoo, I think. Oh, yeah. how dare you? After, I know, after Lincoln, I'm locked in. The Lincoln Park Zoo has plenty of animals. They do. I was there not that long ago. You'd think I'd remember. I definitely know the animal you're talking about. All right, I'm, I'm locked in with an incorrect guess. Uh, I'm not going to sit here all day so that Ken doesn't complain for the next hour. And I'm going to go with my favorite adorable African animal, the Dick Dick. Okay. Nice. I wasn't so expecting cute. that. They're like tiny little antelope. Uh, I'm going to go with the black-tongued Adam's apple. And uh, this guy used to work at Brookfield Zoo, and it's the Okapi. It is the Okapi. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Okapi. If you're looking for dad jokes, I wish I Okapied that answer. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes, part two. Do you Okapi? Do you turn. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Another goose reference, Top Gun. Do you Okapi, goose? <laughs> no, goose is gone. All right. I apologize for this sports question in advance. What former NFL running back is nicknamed the law firm? He played for the Patriots and then the Bengals and retired in 2013. Locked in. Can make up some ground on Ken here. I'm locked in. The law firm. He, he retired in 2013? Yes. The Bengals. Oh, I know who it is, too. Wait, um, crap. Hold on. <laughs> that's fine. I didn't lock in. so you I can... know. I'm, I, I had it, and I didn't write it down fast enough. I, okay. I don't know. Oh, um, we're good. We're good. Ooh. Oh, got to write <laughs> it down. Got to write it down real quick. So got to go fast. In. Everybody's in. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I thought I knew it, but I'm just going to lock in with Tyrone Law. That, that would be a good guess. I'm going to go with uh, the only Bengals player I know is Chad Ochocinco. I believe this is Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. It is Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Wow. A... Only reason he was given that nickname is because his, his name, name sounds, sounds like, like a law firm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes, that makes sense. It reminds me of the Key and Peele skit. Who's been injured? Who am I, or no, who's the guy who was the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Tyrone Liu? Oh, I don't know basketball. Anyway, that's who I was thinking of, not Tyrone Law. But either way, it was wrong. All right, guys. Question five. One of my one of my favorites. What appropriately named music group did the ending credit song for the 2006 film Snakes on a Plane? I have the name of the song, if that will help. Yeah, we'll take it. Called Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> Parentheses. Bring it. Oh, I used to. I used who to. Did this one? I, I used to listen to this all the time when it came out. Do you remember this one, Ken? It's a bop. It is. All right, I'm locked in. I, it was like uh, it reminds me of Metro Station, the <laughs> kind of. I know what you're talking about. All right, I, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to tap because I, I know it. I just I can't come up with it. I, this is killing me. I don't remember it either. Um, they were a flash in the pan thing. They were like they had one other actual like real song, and then they had this. One of their songs was my MySpace song when I was in middle oh, school. For that's oh. high praise. That, yeah. yeah. If you have a song as your MySpace song, that's that. Yeah, you're right. It's a big deal. It's uh, a big deal. But I. I can't remember the name of this act. I can kind of see the female lead singer, but I can't. I can't remember it. I just said uh, the Anacondas. You're not too far off. It's Cobra Starship. Oh, Cobra oh, Starship. Yeah. yeah, I remember them. Yeah, that that song is a jam. I just watched Snakes on the Plane for the first time this year, so I had to include that. I thought it was too good. All right. Well, I'm starting off a little slow with ten points. Neil has twenty points, and Jeff has twenty points. All right, guys, let's let's see how the later half of this round goes. This is question six. Some math. When you take the number of Shrek movies, add the number of Ice Age movies, and subtract the number of Kung Fu Panda movies, what number do you get? I'm locked in. Ooh, there's a lot of... Shrek plus... No. Yeah. Ice Age movies. There are. Shrek these, plus Ice Age minus these, Kung Fu Panda. Are these canon Shrek movies? Yes, no spinoffs. Okay, cool. God, the Ice Age one, I, I stopped watching them after. I didn't really think I've ever seen an Ice Age movie. I, I can't remember where they the stopped. first one. Have you? Isn't Ray Romano? He's the woolly mammoth, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey squirrel. <laughs> I'm a mammoth. Dab. <laughs> Ma. Hey. Ma, I've been transformed into a mammoth. Ma. Debra, Debra. I'm a saber tooth. <laughs> Brad Garrett is not in the movie. <laughs> uh, hey, Debra. Hey, Debra. should have been. I got, a, I got a hot date tonight, there, bro. The saber tooth is, uh, what's his name? Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Hey, boom, F-150. <laughs> you like going to football games? You want bear on the side? Boom, F-150, four horsepower. Four horsepower? Or whatever those stupid commercials. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. sighs> 
oh, he got a, he doesn't say boom like John Madden, but I just feel like he just throws <laughs> really random facts at you that you don't care about. He's like a shitty Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Twenty six miles for <laughs> twenty six miles per gallon. Oh, you yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's stupid. I feel like this question is basically how many Ice Age movies are there? We all know Shrek and Kung Fu Panda, but yeah, I'm a little I'm a little unsure on this one, but I'm locked in. I guessed the Cinco. I went five. All right. Uh, I locked in with six. I said nine. Neil, I don't know where you pulled it from, but it is six. Well, yeah, I I thought that there was uh, uh, three Shreks. That's mm. what I thought. Oh, I'm sorry, four Shreks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's the fourth Shrek? Five. Shrek Forever After. Shrek Forever After. Uh, five Ice Ages, and then yeah. I had, three Kung Fu Pandas. I had five Ice Ages and three Kung Fu Pandas. I happen to have some insight as to where he pulled it from, and it's his age. That Veronica Vaughn. I'm just impressed that anybody knew the correct amount of, amount of Ice Age movies. Well, so. I thought it was four, and I was like, that can't be enough. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody would ask. I just I knew there was one more Shrek than Justin Timberlake appearing in Shrek, so that's why I knew there was four. Mm. Wow. He's in Shrek? He's in Shrek the Third. Mm-hmm. Oh. He's a prince? Mm-hmm. Right. Of course. He is a prince in real life, too. <laughs> prince of the woods. He's fun and flirty. Neil worships <laughs> he is at fun the and altar, flirty. so. He is the prince of my woods. Oh, my goodness. All right, guys. Question seven. What 19th century philosopher wrote The Twilight of the Idols, which word plays upon Wagner's opera, The Twilight of the Gods? And thus spoke Jeff. I'm locked in. <laughs> I'm locked in, too. Oh, boy. The Twilight of the Gods. That sounds like a good sleeping pill. Um, this is my third favorite book by this author. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> third favorite book? Hot take. Hot take. The only thing that's coming to my head is um, Stephanie Meyer, obviously, for Twilight. <laughs> But um, I'm just going to go with William Faulkner. A popular philosopher in his day. I'm going with uh, Camus. He's French. Camus. I believe you're looking for a German by the name of Friedrich Wilhelm Nietzsche. Ah. Yep, Jeff's correct. It is Friedrich Nietzsche. It does sound like Nietzsche. Who is the the nihilist? Nietzsche. Is it Nietzsche? Uh, There are several. I mean, he was a little bit of a nihilist. Who should I read if I just... If, if you're if talking I'm, about the concept of the Ubermensch? If I'm feeling very existential. If, no, you, se- if you set out even. to beat Neil in trivia, be careful that you don't become the Neil yourself. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's a philosophical uh, argument. And if you it? stare into Jeff's eyes, Jeff's nothing, eyes stare back. Nothing <laughs> gazes back at you. It's just a void. <laughs> Emily, what do you see in Jeff's eyes if you stare into him right now? What do you see? Guys, it's crazy. Absolutely nothing. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little scary. I don't even know if Jeff's human. <laughs> I thought that was Matt. He, well, he's a robot. He's a robot. That's like a definitive Jeff thing. is almost demonic. Yeah. Hmm. All right, guys. Question eight. If I told you that I had a Hemingway cat waiting for me at home, what's unique about that cat? Locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, what's so okay? funny? <laughs> no, nothing. I'm just allergic to cats, and I'm just imagining a, a Hemingway cat. <laughs> I locked in with my answer, which is very incorrect. I'm trying to remember what the what the reference is here, um, but I I know Hemingway had a bunch of cats at his home, Oak Park. Well, several homes. Actually. I live right by the Hemingway house. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Do you visit it often? I haven't been there, but the district that I'm in is called the Hemingway District. Okay. Yeah. Oak Park, Illinois. Yeah, it is a nice museum. Home of such mm-hmm. greats as Frank Lloyd Wright and Hemingway and Betty White and oh. uh, Tom Lennon of Reno 911 yeah, fame. That's right. <laughs> Do you like cats, Ken? I'm very allergic. I kind of. It depends on the cat. I'm scared of them. Are you? Real bad. Have I? You've listened to the show. How allergic? Have I told of the fire starter story? No. A Run sleepover. No. So I was at a sleepover for uh, uh, just a friend sleepover, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, preface this: I wasn't a lot of pain as we were playing hacky sack, and someone uh, f- like full strength whipped the hacky sack into a different, um, different sack. Different sack. And I was bowled over in pain for several hours. Anyway, so we're doing a sleepover, and we said, let's watch a scary movie. And someone uh, had a uh, DVD copy of Firestarter, the Stephen King adaptation with Mm -hmm. Drew Barrymore. Of course. So I was super excited, and we're watching this movie. It's like, I don't know, midnight or one in the morning. And the guy had a cat, and uh, I don't really like cats, and I feel like they don't like me because they know I'm allergic. So um, the, the cat had actually scratched me earlier in the night. And did you get cat scratch fever? Do, 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 do. I, I did not. Yeah, I became. I was like Ted Nugent. I just became incredibly racist all of a sudden. <laughs> so, um, 
<laughs> so we were watching the movie and I was like, hey, the, your cat scratched me. Can we like somehow, you know, put it away? And he's like, well, I can't put it away, but we took couch cushions and stacked them into the doorway, like whatever that is, six, seven feet tall. So it's like, you know, three, just imagine three couch cushions stacked high. Mm-hmm. So we're watching the movie. It's like really deep into the movie. It's really late. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I'm like half asleep. I see the cat perched on top of oh, the couch God. cushions staring at me. And I told my friend, I was like, your cat's going to attack me. And he's like, don't be an idiot, Neil. He's not going to attack you. He's a nice cat. And sure enough, a big loud bang in the movie. And the cat jumps. All the cushions break. And it comes right at my face and jumped on me. And I was under my sleeping bag and was protected. But I almost died. <laughs> I, too, was attacked by a cat once. Were you? Same. Yeah. That's why I'm scared of them. I'm not scared of them. But some of them are just too needy for my my taste. Mm. Anyways, Hemingway cats. What do you think? The reason I was laughing, if, if it was a Hemingway cat, the uh, characteristic I think it would be is a uh, hard-drinking bearded bastard. <laughs> I was trying to decide whether I was going to go with um, pipe smoker or um, a Hemingway cat is uh, when you die and abandon your cats at your home in Key West, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) But I went pipe smoker. And uh, I think if uh, Neil had been scratched by a Hemingway cat, he would have one extra claw claw mark going across his arm because I think they have extra toes. They do. Um, A Hemingway cat is a polydactyl cat. Um, they have more than the usual number of toes on one or more of their paws. He, there are about 40 or f- to 50 cats. Poly- like half of them are polydactyl at mm. the Hemingway house in Florida right now. So. More than meets the cat eye. Yeah. Yes, truly. All right, guys. Question nine. China is one of the world's largest countries in terms of landmass, covering over three and a half million square miles and containing 22 provinces. Over all of this area, how many time zones does China have? Locked in. I'm going to lock in too. I feel like... Oh, I feel like we've had this question. It's, it's either a trick question and it's one, or it is not a trick question. And it's the right answer. And it's the right answer. <laughs> well, that, okay, at least you helped me out there a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with uh, four. Yeah, I said four too, but I think I'm wrong. Yep, because while it should be five, the correct answer is one. Mm. Oh. Yep, they call it Beijing time. They geographically span over five time mm. zones. Mm-hmm. Crazy side tangent. Um, there That's was okay. somebody we, we take those on occasion on this show, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> there was somebody who recently proposed um, having like one world universal time zone to make everything so much easier. And I was like, how would that work? So I'd have mm-hmm. to like get up at what, like four in the afternoon? So and I realized China basically does that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like. They adjust their business hours then? No, you, you just, you get up at a local time. But, like, if you're all the way in, like, the Tibetan region in, in western China, you're just getting up five hours later. Yeah. So you're getting up effectively at, uh, like, 3 a.m. to go to work. The brain can't comprehend. But, I mean. I, I think it's wise. I, I, I think it makes total sense. You know, anything above 30,000 feet is the same time zone. Oh. Because <laughs> planes all run on uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Cool. So, so they don't crash into that. each other. Nice. All right, guys. Question 10 of this round. Who created the cowboy code in the 1950s, listing qualities that every cowboy should take to heart? Some included are, he must not advocate or possess racially or religiously intolerant ideas. So John Wayne's out. <laughs> and being gentle to animals, which I think is kind of nice. What what year did you say? 1950s. 1950s, cowboy code. Uh, I think I've heard of this. I I'm going I'm to lock in. I have an answer. This is, a, this is a bad guess. Who's the guy, who played, uh, who's the guy who played Maverick? Oh, uh, the the remake or the original? The original in the fifties TV show. Um, let's see. Hold on. It was Mel Gibson and it was uh, Robert G- or uh, Gardner. Gardner, James Gardner. Yeah, James Gardner. So I went James Gardner. Uh, I went Will Rogers. I'm wrong, but I said Clint Eastwood. Unfortunately, no points for this one. It's Gene Autry. Oh, Gene Autry. That was the other the one I was thinking cowboy. of. The singing cowboy. The singing cowboy. Some other uh, things in the cowboy code. Um, a cowboy must keep himself clean. Um, in thought, speech, and actions, and personal habits. Make sure to bathe. I don't think this is reflective of any real cowboys. <laughs> and the cowboy must respect women, parents, and his nation's loss. So not including the Dallas Cowboys, then? Yes. <laughs> not a lot of cowboys in this cowboy code. <laughs> uh, do you follow the cowboy code? I'm nice to animals. There, well, there you go. You're a cowboy. I We're all baths. cowboys down here. I don't follow here. my nation's laws. <laughs> do any of us? I do a lot of jaywalking. How dare you? So at the end of round one, it looks like the uh, Cowboys sitting across from me have uh, 30 points each. And this buckaroo has 20 points (laughs) going into the swing round. Uh, A lot of nice chaps in here, and I don't mean us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god. Except for Woody's Roundup. All right, guys, it's time for me to be a major buzzkill. Uh, I know you give Jeff some shit for being a, a bummer, but your swing round today is serial killer roll call. Good <laughs> 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 yes. So I'm going to give you in alphabetical order the nickname the serial killer was given, and then in alphabetical order the actual name of the person. Okay. And you just have to match them up. All right. Okay. The first one is Barbie. BTK. The Damsel of Death, The Devil in the White City, The Night Stalker, Scarface, Son of Sam, The Coed Killer, The Green River Killer, and The Vampire of Sacramento. Was it turns out all the cool serial killers that I like don't have nicknames. They're not cool, Jeff. <laughs> all right, and here's the... Um, Names in alphabetical order. Um, Eileen Wernos. Mm-hmm. Al Capone. I'm counting him. David Berkowitz. Dennis Rader. Ed Kemper. Gary Ridgway. H.H. H. Holmes. Carla Homolka. Richard Chase, and Richard Ramirez. All right. So we're going to go ahead and uh, think of these serial killers for a moment, uh, as if Jeff isn't constantly thinking about serial killers. But uh, we'll consider these answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. So before we uh, we return to the show and give our answers, uh, Jeff, got something to say about Patreon over there while you finish drawing your lines between serial killers? Well, as Jeff is trying to be Jake Gyllenhaal on Zodiac uh, and figure out the answers here, uh, I'll take the lead from him. So Patreon, uh, if you'd like to join and get some great perks, uh, such as uh, getting bonus content every month on our Patreon feed, uh, bonus episodes, some trivia, some uh, hijinks, some fooling around, tomfoolery, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's all over there. Uh, but uh, you also get some great perks like uh, limited edition signed posters, uh, choose your own character personalized boxes from each of the hosts if you're at the uh, Intercontinental Champion level. Uh, and then Universal Champions get a special edition Triviality Loot Crate, uh, which has a bunch of different items that are uh, really fun, some Chicago-centric items, Triviality-centric items, uh, and uh, much, much more. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to join the the fray and uh, support the show and help us uh, continue to uh, produce the show and make it as best as we can, then 
make sure to go to patreon.com slash triviality podcasts and join uh great people like emily who are supporting the show all right and now let's uh get over to our answers here and uh i'm for i for one cannot wait to find out these answers so i have some nice fun party facts to <laughs> drop on people and maybe some icebreakers for first dates too i mean he's not on this list but i have dropped ed Gein in casual conversation before yeah so. the best icebreaker on any date and i'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some advice here as ken is fun and flirty he doesn't need the advice <laughs> jeffrey here's here's the advice the best <laughs> advice i can give you on a, on a first date is the first thing you say when you get to dinner you sit down you order your food as you go do you enjoy body horror exactly <laughs> You read my mind. That's why we're dating. <laughs> is that really where you were going? Yeah. That's fun and flirty. That was really fun and flirty of you. Oh, the question is, what's your favorite body horror film? That's true. As long as you, if you say anything about David Cronenberg, you're, you're in. Oh. Emily, what's your favorite body horror film? <laughs> I'm just going to go now. <laughs> we'll give you a list of body horror films to check out it's on like, your way out. I cannot wait. It's the least we could do. Mm. It's like required reading. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You're the oh one God. who did the serial killer round. I asked Jason. Sicko. I asked Jason if he thought it would be okay, and he said yes. So it is okay. Jason, okay. it's history. True crime. Yeah. Exactly. Shout Street out to Justin. LA. Shout out to Justin Shady. You're obsessed with the uh, true crime, so I hope you like this round. Yeah, it's a great one. All right, I'll I'll give the nickname and just tell me who you put for it. Okay. All right. The first one was Barbie. All right, Barbie. I said was uh, Carla Homolka. I uh, started with Eileen Warnos. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember the... I, I remember the MO of, of Wernos. She'd pick men up and mm-hmm. and they would never make it home. But uh, I couldn't remember if that was, this was her or if she was one later. So I said Homolka. It is Carla Homolka up in Canada. All right, the BTK killer. Hard to say, but I said uh, Gary Ridgway. Hmm. I knew this one from a straight-to-video movie. Uh, Dennis Reeder. I, I couldn't remember, but I also guessed Ridgway. It's Dennis Rader. Oh, I had the R, Ken. Yep. All right. Number three, The Damsel of Death. <laughs> that must be Eileen Warnos. Uh, I was incorrect. I had uh, Carla. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this one's Eileen. Yep, Eileen Warnos. The Devil in the White City. H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. Weird. I thought that was the author of the book, but I said H.H. H. Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think so. He authored his own book about himself seri- uh, killing people and in a hotel. murder hotel. Yeah. Would it's a post office now. It's a post office? Mm-hmm. Where is it? Do you know where? Is it in the loop or no? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Oddly enough, people used to like going there before when it was a murder house. Right now, yeah, no, no one wants to go the there at all. Yeah. Like our friend Lorenzo, who yeah. would not go to the post office. He refused. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. The Night Stalker. What's this say? Richard Chase. That's what I put. Oh, so close. Richard Ramirez. I, too, said Richard Ramirez. Yep. Richard Ramirez. Big time scary. Um, Scarface. That's uh, Al Capone. Tony Montana. No, it's uh, <laughs> Al Capone. I said Capone. Yep. Had to throw two Chicago people in there. They call me Scarface. I have several scars on my face. Is that from the cat? <laughs> no, no. It's from One's from Running Into the Tree, which I've told on the show. And the yeah. other one, uh, which I've never said, I was uh, eating pizza, walking back and forth in the backyard. And our dog at the time, Whiskers, thought I was teasing her. And she jumped up and bit my face. From, from no. just from just the description of you on the show, like <laughs> s- scarification on your face, right. huge back tattoo, sound like a <laughs> former um, motorcycle like a motorcycle club uh, member. I, I I probably should be a villain. Maybe I am a villain. You're the villain of the show. I am a villain. I'm the um yeah I'm the villain of the show. What can I say? I'm the sons of anarchy. <laughs> All of them. So you're All also ones. not entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, guys. Uh, Son of Sam. I said David Berkowitz. Uh, I said the same. I said David Berkowitz. Berkowitz. <laughs> it is David Berkowitz. Whatever you said is what Throw I said. Throw that K in there. <laughs> All right, guys. The co-ed killer. Sorry, my li- my lines are converging. I said Ed Kemper. I said uh, Richard Chase. I too said Kemper. It is Ed Kemper. Very, very tall man. Yeah, I kind of remember that from Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Rem- I was just like co-ed Kemper. I had that in my head for some reason. And oh, I didn't know why. To remember, I haven't seen uh, Mindhunter. I really want to. Oh, so good. It's good. I love Fincher. So there's pictures of him standing next to the police. He just towers over them. It's wild. Um, all right, guys. The Green River Killer. That's one I said Dennis Rader for. I said Ridgeway. Nope, I got this one wrong. I said uh, Rader. It is Gary Ridgeway. 
He, I think he might have the record for most murders. I can't remember. It's a lot. He also confesses to a lot that he didn't actually do mm. from prison because mm. he wants the credit for it. Oh, he's like a producer. <laughs> <laughs> Except nicer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. would be my favorite joke that totally can stay. <laughs> All right, guys. Last but not least, the Vampire of Sacramento. And that one I said Richard Ramirez. I said Kemper. I said Chase. It is Richard Chase. Following that swing round, no surprise. Uh, Jeff pulled ahead with eight correct in that with 70 why, total why points. Why would you say no surprise, Ken? I don't know. You're a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> with 55 <laughs> points, Neil. And with 50, myself. It makes sense now why you've uh, taken your fingerprints off, Jeff. <laughs> Who knows what you're up to? <laughs> he's, the over, he's the overkill killer. Well, did that uh, thing like that Neo does in that one episode he's on of CSI, and I actually put um, nail polish on my fingerprints mm. so that I don't leave any trace behind. Mm. Clever. <laughs> he also burns his gun in a like a pizza brick oven. It's okay. a very great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who remembers a, one single episode of a procedural with thousands of episodes? A serial killer. Anytime Neo's <laughs> on TV, I'm in. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, round two, question one. What is the name of the Doctor Who knockoff featured in the television series Community? Oh, I am locked in. I'm locked in, too. No, I, I, um, I watch Doctor Who. I actually hasn't, haven't watched a lot of Community. Oh, everyone wears, like, T-shirts of it and stuff, like the, the meme or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to remember it. It's like um, Dr. Cloak or Dr. Time Time Person, Mr. Mr. Wobbly. I can't remember. All right, I, I'm going to tap. I've changed my answer three times uh, because I can't remember what his title is. Is it Dr. Spacetime, Professor Spacetime, Inspector Spacetime? I think it's Professor Spacetime. Oh, I believe it's Inspector, Inspector Spacetime. Spacetime. Yep, it is Inspector Spacetime and his sidekick, Reggie. Oh, who Who is Professor or Inspector Spacetime? Is it one it's of the characters? Abed. Oh, it's Abed. Yeah, it's yeah. Abed. Okay. And then Troy is, I okay. mean, Reggie. It's its own fictional thing, but Abed often portrays the inspector. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In his own imagination. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also in IRL. Yeah, yeah, they go to a con. All right, guys. Round two, question two. The invention of the marine chronometer in 1761 by John Harrison was historic as it was not only an accurate portable time standard, but finally allowed marine travelers to determine their what? Oh, here's a little hint. There's a movie um, about this starring um, Michael Gambon and Jeremy Irons in 2000. Sounds like a boat movie, so I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Scarface, Jeremy Irons. The, the answer is the title of the movie. I love Michael Gambon's voice, but I, I can't think of the movie. Yeah, he's great. I was hoping you were going to go, it's a movie starring Russell Crowe. And I was like, why would it be called Master, <laughs> Master and Commander? Commander. <laughs> This is really bugging me yeah, because, that's... as you all know, I'm a man who enjoys a fancy watch. Yeah. So <laughs> I do enjoy a good chronometer. My favorite, yeah. if anybody's out there looking to buy me a, a gift, is the uh, the one that uh, Neil Armstrong wore on the moon, the Omega The series. exact same mm. one. Yeah, that no, one. that's in the Smithsonian. Well, so The one he wore on stage with Stanley Kubrick? You're welcome to, <laughs> to obtain that one if you'd like. <laughs> the, only thing, the only gift you have to get me, listeners, is friendship. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so nice. I go right for the $7,000 watch. <laughs> uh, I'm locked in with the wrong yeah, answer. Yeah, same. All right. I said uh, global positioning. I said uh, coordinates. Please, Jeff. Coordinates, please. <laughs> Is that Michael Gambon? Yeah. He's very close to Snape, but it, it's 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 discernible enough. Is it, though? Uh, Mr. Po- Mr. Potter, um, I'm Dumbledore. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty bad. It's pretty terrible. I can do uh, Richard uh, Harris. <laughs> I can't do Michael Gumba. I'll I'll say um, to to play off a an island theme song here. I'm gonna say Latitude. You're so close. Oh, no. It's longitude. No. Oh. So global position is not appropriate. Answer. No, because you'd have to know both coordinates. Yeah, right, yeah. They could measure their latitude because of the sun or something. It's they could measure the their sun. latitude. This allowed them to measure their longitude. No, I was going for obviously changes in attitude, um, changes in latitude by Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Neil, Fun and flirty. Neil, how often do you measure your longitude? <laughs> uh, every morning, every morning, I try to eat potassium. All right, guys. Question three. Within 20, how many women were elected, re-elections included, into the House in 2018? Oh, I, I didn't know this number. To the House, you said? Mm-hmm. 
I'm locked in. I'm trying to think how low is it? Because I know it's lower than I think it should be, obviously. But okay, you said within twenty. Mm-hmm. I'll go for a nice round hundred. I uh, said ninety-eight. I said forty-four. Uh, Jeff and Ken getting points there. It was a hundred and two women. Um, oh, so you could have had between eighty-two and one twenty-two. That made me cry the first time I read it. <laughs> yeah, because there's four hundred and thirty-five mm-hmm. representatives. Well, yeah, oh. cry like sad. We should have more of a cry. Also, like that's a record number. That's what I was really excited about it. That's why my answer was so low. As I was hoping, mm-hmm. I was, was going to be wrong, but I just know how uh, terrible our, our system is. So, all right, guys. Question four: Put these cult classics in order from highest to lowest based on their Rotten Tomatoes rating. Mm. Donnie Darko, Heather's, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my God. <clears throat> Well, I know what how this list would look for me, and it's probably not the same. <laughs> and yeah, I'm locked in. Are you saying which one has the highest score to the lowest score? Yes. Okay. I'm locked in. I'll go uh, Rocky Horror, Heathers, Donnie Darko. I said the same. I said Heathers, Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror. Neil getting points on this one. Wow, really? Yep. Heathers has 94%, Donnie Darko has 87%, and Rocky Horror has 80 I'm shocked. What's yeah, What's your order? Mm. I haven't seen Heather's, oh, um, so but I prefer Donnie Darko to Rocky Horror, so at least that's in line. Yeah. I like Heather's Donnie Darko really and Rocky Horror. I didn't care for Heather's very much. I just no. love Winona Ryder. You don't like my movies, man? <laughs> How about uh, Gleaming the Cube? You ever see that? I was skateboarding God, if with... If I hear you mention Gleaming the Cube <laughs> one more time, <laughs> I'm going to gleam the side of your head with my fist. <laughs> All right, question number five. What is the name of the 2005 released card game that was released specifically to play during a game of Dungeons and Dragons? Ooh, I'm out on this one. What's the year? 2005. Hmm. Wizards of the Coast released it then. I'm locked in. It can be played separately as its own game or it can be played in game. In Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What castle do you fight for? Is that something they say in that? You can. Okay. You can do anything. If you so please. It's open world, Neil. The thing that gives me great pain is I know Magic the Gathering was developed to be played in between games of Dungeons & Dragons. And that's a Wizards of the Coast property. Uh, but that was 1994. Um, the other one I'm thinking of, uh, Hearthstone, was developed later by Blizzard. And that was uh, inside the world of Warcraft. I'm trying to think of what card game. Let's talk about D&D. Let's dig in deep. So while, so while Jeff is thinking a uh, fun story, uh, Emily uh, was talking to us at <laughs> Trivia one night. She mentioned she played D&D, and I correctly, Dang. in order, guessed her class, the race of her character, as well as the instrument that her bard played. Yep, I'm is a the halfling bard that plays the lute. I called it just by by one look. I knew it. <laughs> so I don't know anything. What you're, I don't know, Whatever you're talking about, I don't understand, but what would I be? Hmm. I think you would be a... Uh, uh, human monk. Oh. Okay. What does that entail? Really? I was gonna go with a magic magic user. Magic man. And I was going half elf. Half yeah. elf. What's a half elf? Half human, half elf. Yes. Oh, that's it. Okay, I don't know if it's when like a daddy special. elf loves a mama human, <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. It's not particular. Do I, is like dual citizenship. It's not like a liger. No, um, you have citizenship to the elven realm as well. Okay, mm-hmm. I could. I, I'd buy they, have, they have like free, a little. They bit. have free health care there. So I'm like half Orlando Bloom, half human. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I feel like I should know this. No, you're fine. Halflings are kind of the hobbit of the D and D world. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Except they're thinner and more dexterous. They are. Um, they're like tiny elves. They oh, I, okay. I'll 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 to put in a guess. I'll say Dominion. I said Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> I said Munchkin. It's three dragon ante. I don't know if you've ever that heard of it. That sounds a lot cooler than so yeah, like it's pirates cool. dice. I've played Munchkin. Yeah, <laughs> not a card game. Isn't I've never it played it myself in any of my campaigns, but now that I know about it, so it's all, like a you like go along a board. Mm. All you guys play D and D. Oh, we I'm have telling it. you, you guys have to get it like a bonus episode. All of you play D and D. I I think we should have a spinoff podcast of D and D playing. I'll be dungeon master or whatever, and I don't there know how to go. play the game, but at least I can. Is that what it is, dungeon master? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I'll I'll do it. So you'd you guys be can really, play. You'd be dungeon. really good at it. You'd be a good dungeon master. Yeah. yeah. Except you need to know the most about D and D. Not you really. Just have to read through the players. Ambush. Here's here's what we would do. Neil would just write the stories, and I would just make sure the mechanics worked. How about you fine. just? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about so, it. Let me just be dungeon master. It'll be entertaining. Sure. All right, so listeners, uh, let us know if you like this idea of a spin-off D&D podcast. 
Maybe we can make it happen. Just a one-off, maybe. Maybe a one-off. Think it'd be good, a good Depending time. on how much Patreon effort. bonus episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, f- a five-hour Patreon bonus episode. Seriously, it'd have to be a quick <laughs> game. <laughs> All right, guys, question six. In 2017, Michael Phelps lost a televised race to what unconventional opponent? Got locked in. <laughs> what was the last question? I don't know if I got points or not. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, you no, didn't. I did not. <laughs> can you repeat that one more time? In 2017, Michael Phelps lost a televised race to what unconventional opponent? So good. I think it was like a shark. All right, I'm just going to say shark. I yep. wanted to say baby shark, but I went shark. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a shark. Yep, it was a computer-generated shark. It was for Shark Week. So boring. People were mad it was a fake shark. But did the shark toke up before? <laughs> then it wasn't fair. <laughs> we need to look into this. All right, guys, question seven. What 1942 children's book series is still running today and recently released their 152nd book? The title of that book was The Secret of the 13th Floor. It's Fifty Shades of Grey, right? My favorite children's book. You don't want to go to the 13th floor, Ken. (laughs) All right, I'm locked in. I get it, though. That's a a lot of child's play in there. Yeah. Yeah, the 13th floor is for Fifty Shades of Grey. You meet Chucky. (laughs) <laughs> or David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's his catchphrase again? Uh, <laughs> he, says, he says one thing every time. I can't remember. I'm David S. Pumpkins. I forget what it is. <laughs> so just to confirm, Emily, you said 1942, 152nd mm-hmm. book. Yep. All right. I put in a guess because I have no idea. It has been adapted to a play at some point. <sighs> I'm going to lock in with, um, I don't think this is the right title, Secret of the Nim? Nymph? Whatever, the little mouse guy? Nim. 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 Okay. I said Kelvin and Hobbes. And that guy's dead too, unfortunately. I said Hardy Boys. It's the Boxcar Children. Oh, oh, so close. So wait, what are the Boxcar Children? <laughs> it was a series I never read, but I always saw the kids yeah. in the boxcars. So we did it at the theater that I grew up doing stuff for. Um, they It's three kids. I don't know what happened to their parents, mm-hmm. but they start living in a boxcar. I mean, and they it can be mysteries. well established that some shit happened. Some shit okay. went down. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine, I'm sorry, I just imagine uh, Jeff is a detective and they find the kids and then the social worker comes and he's, and she's like, what happened? And Jeff is like, look, just, just know that some shit happened. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Just, my whole life is like a gritty away. noir. <laughs> Correction, Bill Watterson, who does Kelvin and Hobbes, is alive and yeah, well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank oh, God. My apologies to the Watterson uh, family. <laughs> Good. This is not breaking news. <laughs> this is Ken's official press release on the matter. So that you did you happen. did plays? I did. Oh, I what? acted and stage crewed for 11 years. Oh, what was your favorite show? To be in, Kellen and I were Maureen and Joanne and Rent together, oh. which was super fun. Nice. Um, but I also stage managed... Um, that small book of plays that Shel Silverstein did. Wait, were you shorts. Maureen or I was Joanne. Joanne? Can you hit those those killer high notes? Not probably not anymore. <laughs> we should do our own rendition of Renton here. We got the right amount of people if we call in uh, Kellen and there we go. Couple, yeah. couple friends. Yep, we could do it. Call in a few favors. I have I have look at I have the uh, eight millimeter camera right there. Perfect. December nineteen eighty nine. <laughs> we shoot without a script. I don't, I don't know. Next question. <laughs> anyway. Um, it is estimated that the Mona Lisa is viewed by over 6 million people annually by both locals and tourists alike. However, it wasn't a particularly well-known work of Da Vinci until 1911. What occurred that year, giving the painting its fame and recognition? Um, I'm locked in. Me too. I don't know how specific. To, uh, I'm not even really sure you what the answer is. pretty vague with this. I'm just going to say there was like a famous fire and it survived. I'm going to say it went on display at the Louvre. I think somebody tried to steal it. Yeah, Jeff's actually right. This is something I learned at the Louvre when I was uh, there last year. Um, an Italian handyman was pissed because the Louvre fired him. So he was like, I'm going to steal this Da Vinci painting because nobody ever looked at it. So he stole it um, and they plastered her face all over newspapers. And people saw it so often in newspapers that it became like iconic. So when they recovered it, that's how it became super famous. I sort of remember hearing that on an a Italian, podcast, I think. In Italian, Mona Lisa actually means the stolen painting. <laughs> oh, I hear that was the inspiration for the first Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> that the princess is Mona Lisa. Uh, Mario, hmm. Mario Mario just wanted to so steal another it. castle? Yeah. yeah. The more you know. All right. Question number nine. What was banned in the NCAA 
um, basketball from 1967 to 1976. Like thing. Do you know? When you lock in quickly, it's one of two things. (laughs) You either know it or you really don't know it. But you have a you have a joke. I have three three ideas. I just don't know which one is is right. There's like a signpost on the way to this answer, and I think I'm reading the sign probably on the wrong path. Yeah, I'm locked in. So I'm between uh, dunking and uh, the three point play, and as I'm saying it, uh, I don't know why they would ban a three point play. They probably introduced the three point at some point. So yeah, I think I don't think it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so point. I'm just gonna say, um, just slam dunking was banned. That's what I guessed. I said dunking. And I said uh, no knives allowed on the court. No. <laughs> Finally. No, no stabbing they allowed. They do allow knives now, though. Uh, it is the slam dunk. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were going to say this knives. It was, There's no rule in the rule book knives. that says you can't have a knife on the court. You can't stab your opponent. There's um, no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. Can't stab a fellow player. <laughs> Um, they actually, it, was, it is widely believed that this was because of um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just like dunking on everything. Demolishing things. Yeah. All right, guys, question 10 of the round. My name comes from the German word for goblins. My compounds have long been used as pigments for paints and glass. I am mostly produced as a byproduct of copper and nickel mining. What element am I? Trixie Havertz. (laughs) I'm locked in. I have no idea. I'm sure it'll kind of make sense when I hear it, but I'm also locked in. Uh, I know they used it um, when dyeing wigs, so I guessed mercury. Uh, I said sulfur. I said zinc. It is actually cobalt. Oh. Yep. Oh, I should have known that. Back to the D&D reference. Yep. The the German word for uh, goblin is kobolds with a K. Yeah. 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 That was very obvious after you said it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the uh, caballeros sitting across from me here have uh, 120 for Jeff, 85 for Neil. And this, uh, this sad cowboy over here has uh, 70 points. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're clean. At least I'm clean. And you're nice to animals. And I'm so. nice to animals. All right, guys. Um, I'll give you these categories. You can wager accordingly. Category one. What can you do? Medicine's not a science. <laughs> Category two. Everybody must get stoned. Category three. She's chopping broccoli. <laughs> Category four. 50 shades of shrimp and category five i guess that's why they call it the blues all right all the wagers have been locked in quickly so uh, let's go ahead and get those questions all right guys uh for what can you do medicine's not a science dr max jacobson or dr feelgood treated hundreds of celebrities including president kennedy marilyn monroe truman capote and tennessee williams However, he lost his medical license in 1975 when it was discovered that his magic elixir was actually what uh, was actually what chemical substance or what substance. All right. Everybody must get stoned. The type of travertine stone used to construct the Sacre Coeur in Paris is distinct in that it is extremely hard with a fine grain and exudes what carbonate mineral on contact with rainwater, keeping the stone clean. Like a cowboy. Like a cowboy. <laughs> Category three, she's chopping broccoli. When you julienne vegetables, what shape are you cutting them into? Category four, 50 shades of shrimp. You might already know that David Allen Greer and Ice Cube both took a pass, but early on in his career, what comedian turned down the role of Forrest Gump's sidekick, Bubba Blue? And category five, I guess that's why they call it the Blues. The St. Louis Blues finally won their first Stanley Cup. Before this historic final, how many Stanley Cup finals have the Blues appeared in? Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures.
Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah, the show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, guys. What substance did Dr. Feelgood inject into... Um, our friends, President Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe, etc. All right. Well, I have, in honor of our guest, I have bet uh, a baker's dozen all the way down. <laughs> so 13 points apiece. Could be enough to get you the win if you yeah, play your cards so right. So let me know if I need to be more specific, but okay. I, I believe he was injecting uh, opiates into them. Hmm. Heroin? Mm. Morphine? Heroin. Okay. Um, I wagered zero all the way down, hoping that these guys would crash and burn and I could come out victorious uh, with 85. So um, the first one, didn't know it, I put potash. Uh, they call me Dr. <laughs> Feelgood. It's going to make you feel all right. I said horse semen. <laughs> Why? That's it's so much. funny. I hate everything about that. <laughs> um, it's meth. Oh, oh, meth. Wow. Yeah. Not an opiate. President no, Kennedy was definitely on meth when he uh, stripped in the Carlisle. And Marilyn Monroe when she sang Happy Birthday. Wait, Kennedy stripped in the Carlisle? Yeah. Oh. Right? I didn't know that. Oh, by the way, I wagered five. I don't think down. anybody knew about it because Secret Service kept him in the building. I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure. You take off your shirt. I take off my <laughs> pants. Oh, my gosh. Show me yours. I'll show you mine. All right, guys. For everybody How much for one crack Ugh. rock? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for everybody must get stoned, what um, carbonate mineral is exuded in the rain for Zachary Zach I didn't hear you say carbonate, so I said rust, which is iron <laughs> oxide. <laughs> uh, I realized that you said mineral, but uh, I was just thinking of limestone, so I said lime. I said aluminum sulfate. It's calcite. Ooh. The building is um, super clean, and in the areas that don't get rain, you can still see it's like super grimy. Um, but it's a self-cleaning building, which hmm. I think is kind of neat. I've, I've heard of that before, but I did not remember. <laughs> All right, guys. What shape are you cutting vegetables in if you julienne them? I believe that's strings. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, I put diamond. I put hearts. Just to be... <laughs> it is strips or matchsticks. So strings is good. Strings is fine. Thank you. Um, All right. What comedian turned on the role of Bubba? I said uh, Richard Pryor. I don't know if he was alive at the time. Um, I, my logic he was, been, I think, yeah, maybe. Um, I I thought Will Smith, but he wasn't. He's not really a comedian. Martin Lawrence would have had Martin, so he would have been too famous. Um, and then I thought of Tommy Davidson, who wasn't famous enough. And I was like, who else is a really great comedian who just would have been starting out? And I said Dave Chappelle. Uh, I said Marco Clark Duncan, not a comedian, but <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. So yay for Neil. No points. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> All right, and finally, um, how many Stanley Cup finals have the Blues been in? I think I heard about this um, from a coworker who likes the Blues, and we were talking about... Uh, Wait, is that including this year? No. Okay, cool. We were talking about uh, their, their uh, trudge to the Stanley Cup this year. I think they appeared in one other final in which they were swept. Hmm. Um, I don't follow hockey, really, um, so I just kind of picked a number that seemed like it would be enough. I said three. I also thought it was only one. Neil, again, just getting the points or lack of points. It is three. Um, they had three consecutive in 1968, 1969, and 1970. And they one of those was against Boston? All three of them. I don't know. I think they were swept in all three or something. Yeah, something like wow, that. Well, they were like the Buffalo Bills back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the scores have been added up, or should I say subtracted up. <laughs> uh, looks like uh, bringing up the rear is this cow puncher with 31 points. <laughs> cow puncher? <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean cow poke? Uh, Neil 
the ranch hand has 85 points and today's cream of the crop 95 points jeff the cream of the crop uh jeff the only one of us who would not be a cowboy by emily's rules and let's remember the last rule of the cowboy code is always be fun and flirty gotta be fun and flirty to be a cowboy that's true the cowboy needs a hat needs a hat needs a hat I Don't think forget. you guys need to write your own cowboy code, a new new and improved. A triviality code. A, a triviality code. That could be interesting. Yeah, what what do you guys think? The uh, Say it in the crop here, in the thread. What What is the triviality code? Yeah. Let us know, and then maybe we'll make like some sort of scroll, and I don't know. I'll put it on the, the remaining part of my back that is not tattooed. We'll include it in our D&D campaign. It'll just be... Yeah. Well, I see Jeff has helped himself to a cookie, so he can't respond right now, but... Uh, no, I'm good. Good game. <laughs> you earned you. it. Yeah, it was great questions, Emily. Thank you. Uh, loved having you here. It was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, made me feel at ease. The snickerdoodles gave me the right amount of sugar. Felt good. I was on <laughs> point. Not, I was not doing ballet. You know the secret ingredient to those snickerdoodles: horse semen, meth. Oh, meth. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I feel so good. They wouldn't be vegan with horse semen, but right, they right. would no, with they meth. Yeah, is that right. why I want to eat your face? Meth is vegan. I guess it would be. Yeah, why not? Well, you heard it here, folks. On that note. <laughs> We want to thank everybody for sticking through this recording and listening. Thank you to Emily for the great game and for her Patreon support. My co-hosts, Jeff and Neil. This is Ken, and that was a very wacky episode of Triviality. All right. My sticker here does say pepper spray first. Apologize later, folks. Yeah. All right, so while we uh, consider these answers, we're going to go uh, follow the cowboy code and now. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you're supposed to keep your body clean? Is that what you're getting at? Just trying to follow the cowboy code, like all right? Of, it just seems like it should be part of the cowboy code. <laughs> no, no, it's always wear a condom, obviously. Obviously. Cowboys don't wear condoms. No, sailors Never. don't wear condoms. <laughs> Neil. Cowboys. Might have been a sick ostrich. Yeah, right.